please receive this reading from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter from Eugene Peterson's The Message. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to made holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved Son. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, purpose he is working out everything and in everyone. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Let's pray together. Loving God for this space and time to be together in your presence for the word that is spoken, for the teaching that we receive through each other, through the music, the blessings that we receive through it all, we thank you. And now, O oh God, I pray that because or in spite of me, your word spoken and received so that others might come to know that you are with us, that you are here to help us. I pray all these things in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. In a 2020 poll conducted in both the U.S. and Great Britain, there were folks identified who felt that their attention was getting worse. People asked them why they believed this was happening. And what do you think were the top things identified in, in what was causing their struggle to focus? one, very closely followed by number two, were stress and change in life circumstances. Everything from having a baby to aging to divorce or diagnosis. Number three was difficult or disturbed sleep. And number four was phones, just phones. Yeah. Last week, I suggested that our distractions, our brain overload, and difficulty sleeping create a vicious circle, that all of these things are interconnected. And I would say these top four things that have been identified as causing disruption in capacity are also interconnected and create a kind of vicious circle. If you think about it, I mean, big life changes are stressful. And stress can affect our ability to sleep well. And a lot of times, for many of us, 
well, we wake up and we look at our phones that then feed us with more information than we can manage, information that's often stressful and distressing and also with temptations to go down rabbit holes of infinite scroll as a way to try but that really only steals our time and keeps us from being able to focus on the things that matter most of all, namely, big life changes. Do you see how this works? Of course, are kind of guaranteed, as stressful as they are. Change is part of human life. The larger context in which we're living and changing, however can affect how well we manage And the truth is that we live in a context that creates a great deal of stress, even at times when our own lives are pretty stable. Again, our children have already shown us that they know the causes of stress. There are many others. Some of the big ones in our society include work and jobs. A study conducted by the Stanford Graduate School of Business identified the top causes of workplace stress in the U.S. Insurance, constant threat of layoffs, lack of discretion and autonomy in decision-making, long working hours, low levels of organizational justice, and unrealistic demands. That's a whole lot right there. You think about all of the other ways that our jobs create stress. Do you go into the office? Do you not go into the office? Who's going into the office and who really cares? I mean, these are new things that we're dealing with. We know we're being asked to do more with less time and sometimes less money. We know that the threats of automation and some sectors create stress. We know now there's the added stress of AI and its implications for workers. There's people struggling in the gig economy to make ends meet. Some jobs are inherently stressful and dangerous, full of distractions. Some jobs are grossly underpaid for the value provided. Some are hostile or unsafe. Jobs are stressful. It's a pervasive, powerful stressor in our society. Another big stress is financial insecurity. It's not just the 140 million poor and low in the United States who are struggling. We know that there's been a collapse in the middle class for some time, and that everyone at every level is struggling in one way or another to make ends meet, unless you're in the very one. We know right now that six out of 10 U.S. citizens have less than $500 in savings if a crisis comes along. The amount of debt that Americans hold is $1,000,000, the first time we've capped that number ever in this year. Another thing that's stressing people out is all the comparisons to other people's lives and looks. Yeah. Comparing ourselves to other people is not a new phenomenon, nor are media images of other people a new temptation to feel stressed out about. But with the introduction of filters on social media, things are weird. There are folks at this point that are increasingly seeking to get plastic surgery so that they can look more like the filters on their phones. It's a thing. 
bombard us constantly with all that we need to purchase so that we can look our best and feel confident are often so curated that we almost can't help but get hooked by them. Image and body insecurity is a powerful stressor in our culture. Many people live in homes and neighborhoods where there is a constant threat of violence and instability of some kind, a source of profound stress. Children in these environments are most likely to struggle with attention issues, and that for persons of any age to pay attention, we need to feel safe. Even if we don't experience the most extreme own lives, our recent history has heightened the collective sense that we live in dangerous environments. This triggers something called hypervigilance, that state of being where our attention is focused on cues of danger as opposed to focusing on being present with what's going on right in front of us. And we can be hypervigilant about threats at work, threats in our neighborhood, threats at home. We can be about viruses or about the state of our retirement accounts or about police brutality or gun violence. We live in volatile times when, for a variety of reasons, people don't feel safe. That is stressful and distracting. And then there's the news. I make no comment. The news. Here, all of the stresses I've mentioned are amplified if you are experiencing poverty, are a person of color, an immigrant, disabled, LGBTQ, or in any way on the margins. Steal our focus our ease, our joy, our overall health and well-being, stress can steal our lives. And what are we to do about it? There are ways for us to meaningfully resist allowing stress to overwhelm us, but before I get into that, I want to be very, very clear about something. Stress is not your fault. I recently learned in the book that I've been reading for this series, I learned about a concept called cruel optimism. Cruel optimism is when you take a really big problem, causes in our culture, and you offer people in upbeat language a simplistic individual solution. It sounds optimistic because you're telling people that the problem and soon, and by them, by themselves, you can solve this problem. But in fact, it's cruel because the solution you are offering is so limited and so blind to the that for most people, it will fail. This concept can be applied to any big cultural issue. But I think it's often been applied to our topic for today. Here's an example from the book. A best-selling book by a New York Times reporter tells its readers, stress isn't something imposed on us, it's something we impose on ourselves. Stress is a feeling. 
series of thoughts. If you just learn how to think differently, your stress will melt away. So you just need to learn to meditate. Your stress comes from a failure to be mindful. Now, all of that sounds very optimistic. Those are things you could do. But I just spent at least the last 10 minutes outlining all the ways that stress is, in fact, imposed on us from And frankly, telling a single parent working two jobs while raising their kids and using public transit to meditate their way through stress is cruel. And of cruel optimism is when companies cut back on health care, stressful, but provide meditation classes to teach employees how to manage their self-imposed stress. Further, when the easy solution fails, a painful after-effect of this is that the individual who has failed won't blame the system, she will blame herself. She will think that she, she just wasn't good enough, she just couldn't get her mind right. Cruel optimism deflects attention away from the social causes of stress. It whispers, the problem isn't in the system, it's in you. So I'm here today to assure you that stress is not your fault. It's not And anybody who knows me at all knows that I uh, am not against meditation. I'm actually for it really for it. The issue is not the practice. It's the suggestion that the practice will eliminate the and that you are a failure if it doesn't. Real external stressors bigger than us and beyond our personal control are all around us. We can't meditate our way to the world without any stressors. But we can call upon the resources of our faith to manage the stressors in our lives. And these things are real. What are some of they? Meditation is a real tool. Contemplation is a practice. Breathing practices make a difference. Prayer, remembering who is with you, bringing yourself to be before the one who is, and spending time in play and letting yourself just be without needing to think about all of the other things are concrete ways to respond to daily stress and to help you regain proper focus. Someone after the first service says, when is the best time to meditate? I said, well, what works for you? <laughs> It's a matter of best for you and the places and times in which you can ground yourself in the reality of what truly is and what matters most of all, of who you are and who God is, and what kind of life you want to live. Other ways that you can practice healthy processing with wise friends, wise friends who help you gain perspective. Searching the scriptures to remind you 
larger story of which we are a part, coming to worship to remind you of the larger story of which we are a part. This is so important. We are all part of a larger story, a part of a much longer history, and everything that is happening right now is a moment to be alive, but it's not the only moment. And God has been with people from the beginning and will be with people through the end, and we are part of this larger story. And when we forget that, then everything that happens turns into a crisis. But in the larger frame, we are reminded that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves, that God is with us in all of it, has seen people through from the beginning and will see people through to the end. Knowing that we are part of this story of God's steadfast love, mercy, and justice helps us keep perspective in our present age and guides us in ways to respond. And that, all of these different concrete practices that simply help us move through our days with greater intention and grounding and focus, it is key to remember the core affirmation that is the heart of our faith, that God is with us, that God is caring for us and helping us. We are not alone. In the face of stress and violence and fear and insecurity, we are not left to our own capacity to All the self-help books and gurus will want you to believe otherwise. But our faith calls us not to put our trust in self-help but in God's help. This is the wisdom of our ancestors who were most definitely not immune to stress and vulnerability and insecurity and fear. We spoke together the words of Psalm 91, which are a profound assurance of God's presence with us in every kind of... In God, in God is our refuge and our fortress. And after the people have named in that song all of the ways that they, are, that they believe that God will be with them and protect them, I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. We can do things to help us focus on the things that matter most of all. We can be thoughtful and intentional about how we engage with technology and manage distractions and respond to the stress. We've talked about some of that over these last weeks. And as you call upon God for help and protection and guidance, God will be there with you to shield you and help you find your way because God cares for you. And just as God is with us and for us, we are called to be with and for others. We're called to be in solidarity, to draw near to those who need to know they are not alone. By God's grace and with God's guidance, we can care for one another and be there for one another. And we can do things in a community and as a community to respond to the people and the powers within our that create stress for everyone through injustice and greed and abuses of power and neglect. That's why we work for systemic change in economic and housing and environmental policy, 
care about public safety and health care and worker rights. This series began with my asking the question, are you living your life or is your life living you? Our second reading today says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, and that Christ perceived us, knew us before we knew Christ, and had glorious designs for us, for everything and everyone. We live in a stressful, anxious time, but we're reminded through our faith that there are things we can do individually to live the lives that we were made for, even in the midst of all that swirls around us and tries to invade and steal our time and our space. In the beginning, God breathes life into us. And in Jesus, God revealed the divine desire for us to have life, abundance, and new life. And God is able and willing to help us live our lives with intention and with greater focus and with a commitment to making the world such that every beloved child of God can breathe and rest and let down their hypervigilance, receive care, and work with dignity and safety and be set free from systems that steal time and hope and life. We can't do that alone. It's not all up to us alone. By God's grace, with God's help, we can do it. We can live. We can thrive. We can live the lives that are ours to live. Thanks be to God. Amen.